if you know somebody is is in the same boat that you've been in before of uncertainty, whether it be, you know, being traded or who knows what, I just feel like we're all human and we're all sort of in the same boat in that way because we're moms, like at the very basic level, we're moms and we're humans. And so, you know, it's one of the things that I love about the team that we're on right now is that it's been nice to just sort of get to know people on that level as well and Mm -hmm. just be, be human and, and have those like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, can I do anything or, you know, have those discussions every once in a while about like someone's brought up to me, oh, the trade line deadline's coming up. This has been such a fun team. I love that conversations are starting to happen like that between coaches' wives and players' wives more often than they used to because mm-hmm. we've all been there. You're listening to Breaking the Ice, a podcast and community created for wives and girlfriends of professional hockey players, but since has turned into so much more. Stories shared by women around the globe who come together for a sense of connection and community. You may be in the sports industry, a hockey parent, an athlete, or a person who just enjoys podcasts, but I can promise you, you'll be inspired by these women every single day while we evolve through the tips, tricks, do's, and don'ts for all things hockey. And guess what? So much more. For women, by women, but especially for a hockey community. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy you're here today. I just got back from Italy. We were there for about four days, five days. And now I feel like I have a vacation hangover. You guys know what that feels like when you go out of town and you kind of just eat whatever you want and then you come back and you have like ample laundry and everything's just a mess and unorganized. That's kind of where I'm at today. And my husband had to get to the hospital this morning at 6.30 for his shoulder surgery. So now that I look at it, I feel like it's maybe they're not, not the best timing to come back the day before a surgery after vacation because I'm so tired, you guys, and I'm chasing my one-year-old around. But the good news is he's now re-into all the toys he was sick of before we left for vacation. So now... Hopefully that will last me for the next couple weeks before we fly home back to the States. So I wanted to do an episode, not this week, but next week on traveling with kids. Whether you guys play in North America or you play in Europe, this is just going to be beneficial. Whether you're flying a few hours or you're flying 10 hours, we're going to really just get into the nitty gritty of how to tackle, survive, And just get through it. I have like a lot, a lot of anxiety about flying home in a few weeks with my one-year-old because he's just so busy and like he's kind of at that age where he gets bored and he gets frustrated and he's like kind of starting to throw tantrums and stuff. So I will say like when I, I was really nervous about flying with him when he was like six months and under, but it was still a breeze at that point looking back and he pretty much slept most of the time for any flights six months and under. Once you get over that mark, it's definitely a lot more challenging. So you will have to tune in next week um, as we're going to have a really in-depth combo about this, which I'm super excited to have. This week on the podcast, I have Aaron Haxtell joining me and Aaron's husband, Dave, is the head coach in Seattle in the NHL. So this is the first year that Seattle has been in the NHL. So this is their first year spending their time there as They also have two kids who are older now, Um, so Erin splits her time between back home and in Seattle because her kids are obviously in school and that's a priority for their family. So we get into a lot of different topics and, and speaking of her kids and this hockey lifestyle, I just thought this was really interesting because her kids are older and they've obviously been doing this moving grind for several years and We talk about how her and her husband frame this experience to their children and really truly believe that within themselves um, of turning 
maybe a stressful situation into a positive and exciting adventure for their children. We also talk about what some of the challenges are of having kids in this lifestyle, whether that's younger or older, because obviously she's been in it through it all. We also talk about starting over in new cities with your family and how to keep your mindset right. What some of the difficult things that she experienced and some of the highlights as well. We also get into what community means to Erin and how this time in the hockey world has shaped who she is today. We talk about a lot more, but you'll have to listen to hear about it. I really find a lot of inspiration from women who have been in this lifestyle for such a long time. I feel like I really look up to women who have so much grace and I feel like these women can teach us so much about how to frame our perspectives and shape our perspectives because obviously like it's not easy and you know I think that on this podcast and on the Instagram page like I really try to normalize the struggles of it but I think sometimes there's learning lessons through those struggles and I and just listening to you know Erin's story and and other women in this lifestyle it's it's just really important and I think you can can learn a lot from it so enjoy this episode Well, welcome to the podcast, Erin. I am happy that we found the time to connect between my crazy playoff schedule and your busy schedule. I'm super excited that you're here. Thank you for having me. It is a hot miracle that we found a time. (laughs) I agree. Yes. Okay. So as you know, I always like guests to give kind of a rundown of who you are, where you're from and all of that good stuff. So all right. Well, I am grew up in Minnesota. I was northern Minnesota, actually. I was a figure skater growing up. And so uh, skating and being on the ice isn't very foreign for me. Dave and I did not meet until after college. Dave is the head coach of the Seattle Kraken currently. And um, he went to the University of North Dakota Uh, I also went to the University of North Dakota, but I always tell people that I went there eight years after he did. So we didn't meet until after he was done playing hockey. He was already an assistant coach. Okay. Which was, yeah. So I was not a uh, player's wife ever. Just um, dove right into the coaching life. Okay. Amazing. And you guys have how many kids? We have two children. Avery is 16 and Brendan is 13. So she's an, Avery's an 11th grader. Brendan's in eighth grader. Okay. And I will talk about this down the road, but I'm super excited to talk to you about having kids in this lifestyle because obviously you've been in it for a long time and your kids are older now. So I think it gives such an interesting kind of spin um, for people that are going to be in this lifestyle for a long time as well. I actually looked up your husband on Elite Prospects because I always like to get get like an idea of where you guys have been and whatnot. And I saw that yeah. he went to University of North Dakota and then he was the head coach there. Was that like kind of a cool full circle moment for him? It was for sure. It was one of his greatest honors, like at the time for sure, is to be a head coach there. And he was there quite a long time in hockey years. He yeah, he played at North Dakota. My dad played at North Dakota. Uh, my brother-in-law played at North Dakota. So you're big fans. Um, we are, yeah, we were big fans. Well, we didn't growing up in the area, we didn't have much of a choice. Our parents were like, this is, this is who you cheer for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's exactly. okay. It's okay. It was fun. And, um, Grand Forks where the university of North Dakota is, is it is cold. There's not, there's not a ton else to do in the winter and they pack Ralph Engelstead arena for every single whole game home game to the rafters. So it's a really fun atmosphere. Dave was, he really enjoyed, um, his time here and it was a big decision to leave when we left. You got to spill the tea. How did you guys meet being eight years younger than him? Yeah, it's actually sort of a funny story. It's kind of a Northern Minnesota story. Uh, I had some friends on a lake about 10 minutes from where my parents' lake cabin was. I was young. I was like 24 when we met And my parents were having a cocktail party at their house that I was helping them get ready for, but it was a gorgeous day on the lake. And, um, we were water skiers. I 
grown up on the lake. And so I called my friends and I said, Hey, I'm done helping my parents. Do you guys want to come over and go out on the lake? And they're like, sure. Can we bring our friend? So they brought Dave with, I had no idea who he was. I hadn't heard of him before in my life. I <laughs> lived out of the area for a couple years. So I wasn't living in the fan base area of, of UND. We went out on the lake and our friend, he kind of signaled to me that he wanted to play a joke on Dave and Dave grew up in Alberta. He did not grow up on lakes. He did not grow up water skiing. And our friend, our common friend in common did. And he said, let's have a contest. Let's, let's bet a beer on who's the better skier. And I was like, okay. He goes, Aaron, you go last since you never ski. I said, okay, I'll go last. <laughs> and so our friend went first and he's an awesome skier. Um, Dave went second. He kind of, <laughs> he was going to kill me for my honesty, but he kind of <laughs> wobbled up and it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a very athletic look for a, for a bit. And then he kind of, he kind of got better as it went, but it wasn't, it was far from perfect. That's but okay. We can't, to- we can't all be great at everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was trying, he was trying really hard. And then I said, well, why don't you give me the other ski? I think I need two skis. And so I sort of pretended to wobble up on two skis and and went with that joke for about a minute. And then I just, I let the other ski go and then slowed back and forth. And I could just see him in the boat, like shaking his head and, and kind of laughing and, and, uh, and the rest is sort of history. We didn't, we sort of kept in touch by email for maybe six weeks or so. Like it became a really busy time for him. And if I'm being honest, I was in such a great place. (laughs) I had a great job. It's the job I wanted. I was commuting from our lake house to our, to work every day, um, like a 40 minute drive into town and, and, um, loving life. And I kind of was like, I don't, you know, I kind of want to be single for a bit. And then I, I met Dave and, and the rest is, that was it. You know what? It's so funny what they say when you're not looking for someone and you're at that point where you're just like the happiest and most fulfilled, that's when the right person comes in. It's a thousand percent true. Like I'm a firm believer in it. It's so funny that you'd say that because I actually just had that conversation with our 16 year old and and, in, we weren't really referencing anything related to her. She doesn't have a boyfriend right now, but we were just talking about relationships. And I said that to her and she was like, Oh mom, that's so cliche. Like that's just a movie thing. And I said, no, it's, I think it's actually the truth. I think that that's really true. I said, some people find that early and some people find it late, but when you know, you know, for sure. And she can listen back to this podcast and you'll be like, look, she said it too. You know, (laughs) it's just a thing. (laughs) You can bet she'll be listening to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She'll be thinking, what did she say about me? (laughs) (laughs) So what were you doing for work? I was, yeah, I was working for an advertising agency sort of on the, well, I was totally on the account side. Um, I was really, you know, it was one of my first like big girl jobs. I, out of college, I was a flight attendant with my two roommates for a year. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is so fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was really fun. And, um, and then I, I worked for the advertising agency and it was kind of, it's kind of a regional agency that has some, at the time, I want to say four offices between Minnesota and North Dakota. So yeah, it was good. It was fun. Advertising agencies are so fun to work at. Okay. So then you, you guys were communicating over email. You were having this amazing job. You were just very content with your life. And then what ultimately led you to be like, okay, I'm going to give this guy a chance. Well, he asked me out, we met maybe in August. He asked me out in October, kind of after the season was off to a start. The in college, it's so busy. Like once kids hit campus for hockey, it's it gets really busy until kind of you get into the swing of the season. And so, which I wouldn't have really known at the time, but um, I was kind of busy loving my life too, so it didn't matter. <laughs> but um, he asked me out and. I was working in Fargo, which was about 70 miles away. And he said, do you want to come up and go to dinner? So it was during the week. And I said, sure, let's do it. And my sister was going to law school at University of North Dakota at the time. And I called her and I said, can I stay at your house? I'm going to come up. She was like, well, what are you doing? I said, I'm going on a date. She said, with who? (laughs) 
And I said, his name is Dave Haxtall. And she said, oh my gosh, Aaron, do you know how old he is? <laughs> and I was like, no, it hadn't occurred to me at all. Like it literally hadn't occurred to me when I met him. I thought he was like my age. I didn't, I didn't think about it. I said, well, how old is he? And then I was worried. And she was like, I don't know. It's gotta be eight years or so. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh but, man. You know, when you're younger, you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Eight years. Is that too much? But, yeah. You're like, is this a red flag or is this? Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, we dated for probably like, like a year and a couple months and we got engaged and then we got married. We got engaged in December. We got married in August of Oh three. Okay. And then so, you, you slipped into the head coach's wife role at North Dakota. So how was that for you? I feel like it's, it is kind of a different dynamic than when like pro hockey, obviously, because most of the players are a lot younger, um, mm-hmm. being from that area, did you find that you were kind of just living your normal life kind of coexisting with that role? Yeah, we, I had kind of a grace period because there was one year when we got married, he was an assistant coach. Okay. And then the next summer, um, the head coach <laughs> came to us. We had just dug for our house that we were building and he came over and let us know that he had taken a job in the NHL with Columbus and that he was leaving. And so of course, like you have a period of time where you're like, Oh my God, are we leaving? Like, what are we doing? Should we stop building the house? Like what's happening here? Um, but Dave got the job and, um, yeah, we, it was kind of organic. I want to say like, um, the people here are so great. Like it's such a nice Midwestern area and they want you to do well. Like they want you to succeed. They want, they want their team to win. That's for sure. But, um, yeah, it kind of, it kind of, uh, we just kind of slipped into it, I guess. And, um, I think you just take things as they come, no matter what level you're at or what it is you're doing. And I think that's probably how I can best describe what we did then. So you guys were there for quite a while and then Mm -hmm. he wound up going to coach in the NHL, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like what an amazing milestone for him. So was that like really your first time making a big move? It was, I laugh like looking back on it because I think I turned, I think I turned 40. I must've turned 39. I didn't really move. I laugh because I didn't really move away from home really until that time. And so it was more, I don't know if it was a bigger move for my family or for us, you know, to be away from the area. Um, but we were ready for it at the time. I think it was like good. We weren't really looking to move when Dave got the opportunity, but looking back on it, it was like the right, the right thing to do. Yeah. Like it just, it just felt right. Do you find that it's harder to make friends? Like as you get older, because I find that just moving sometimes even like not related to hockey, but just even like in our, in where we live in the off season, like it's kind of hard to make friends as an adult when you haven't grown up with these people, you know? Yes. And I would say that kids make all the difference. Like when your kids are younger, maybe for you guys, like, I know you have, you have a really young son, Yeah, I have a one-year-old. Yeah. One-year-old. Yeah. So you're coming into the years where it'll become a little bit easier. I think in our, in my opinion, um, your kids start to, I want to say when we moved to Philadelphia, our friends became the parents of, um, kids on our kids activity, you know, hockey teams and the school, like the school, the kids went to in Philadelphia. Well, it was actually New Jersey. We lived on the New Jersey side. It was like, I can't say a good enough, good things about the school there. And, um, it wasn't, very big. And so you kind of got to know everybody and that's, that's where my friends came from. And also in all honesty, like the team that's, 
I still keep in touch with people from the time that we were there. Even growing up, I remember like my parents were always hanging out with my friend's parents, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you just naturally That's- like are attending the same events and school yeah. functions and stuff. And then you wind up hitting it off with certain people. Yep. That's totally true. And I, but I think you're right. As my kids get older, it gets a little bit different because I don't know. I think because you drop them off and you're not like sitting there at practice because they're not so little that you have to anymore. And, um, you know, they're our 16 year old. It'll be a total game changer this summer. She'll be back. She has her license now. So this will be the first summer that she, she can just go places on her own. So, um, it kind of becomes a All different phase. <laughs> yeah, I know. It kind of becomes a different phase of life, I feel like. And we spend our summers in this area um, still. So we have really, you know, we have friends that we've kind of grown, grown up with and the kids grew up together. But, um, you know, if we were other places, we would, I agree, you'd have to like really get out of your comfort zone and depending on who you are and just kind of like, find your people. Yeah, for sure. I feel like this perfectly leads me into something that I wanted to talk to you about, which is obviously raising kids and being a mom in the hockey Mm -hmm. world. And Mm -hmm. will you just tell me a little bit about what your journey into motherhood looked like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually I stayed at, I stayed working until right before I had Avery, our oldest, Um, and I, at that time I was working for the university, um, after the advertising agency, I was offered a job at the university at the foundation in, um, basically like planning all of their events, homecoming, pregame parties, alumni get togethers. It was an awesome, really fun job. And I loved it, but it was days, nights, weekends, (laughs) whenever something came up mm-hmm. and that's also sort of how, well, that is how Dave's job was. So I left that job when Avery was born um, just because I thought, I don't know how we would do this. Like, I just, I can't wrap my head around doing this job and also, um, you know, Dave staying in coaching. So I became full-time mom at that point. Um, and it was the right thing for our family. And I loved it. Um, and it's, it has been a full-time job, um, since then, just because Dave has gone so much when he, when he was with UND, it was either coaching or on the road recruiting. Um, and then since we've been in the NHL, they're just, their schedules are busy and gone. And, and, uh, it's been, I've, you know, it's been a privilege to be able to stay home and get our kids to where they needed to go and make sure they have what they need and, and be there to do homework and all of that. So, um, but I will say that it's not always easy. Um, I find, I find myself sort of wishing that I could do, use my brain for other things other than momming once in a while, so to speak. Totally. Um, but I've been really lucky with the NHL organizations that we've been a part of for the most part that there's been a nice balance in that their philanthropy, like the philanthropy arms of their organizations have provided opportunities to get involved. And that's been a really nice outlet, you know, just in, in terms of doing something outside of the mon- <laughs> sort of right talking to, the to season, other yeah mom, yeah <laughs> mom mom things but um for sure being a mom has my been my hardest job like hands down and some days it's like you have great victories and some days it's like you're trudging through mud and it's like the hardest days ever and the moves are you know not always easy but overall we decided when we left North Dakota for Philadelphia that it provided our kids moving. We knew moving then would probably lead us to having a couple moves with the kids before they moved out of the house permanently as adults. And we just decided right off the bat that for us, we thought it was, it provided the kids more positive experiences and life experiences that they wouldn't get otherwise. 
than if we stayed. So we kind of have approached our moves like that. And it, for the most part, that's totally been true. Like, I can honestly say it hasn't, there are times, like we moved to Canada for a bit. Dave was with them with the Maple Leafs and the move to Canada was really hard for the kids. Really, really hard. Mm. Um, How so? Well, um, because they had been going to the school in the U S and in Ontario, I'm not sure if it's a, like a Canadian wide thing or, but for sure in Ontario schools go by birth school grades go by birth year. And so the schools that the kids were going to, um, insisted that both kids move up a grade. So our son was supposed to be a fifth grader. Our daughter was supposed to be an eighth grader. So our son went from fourth grade to sixth grade in a new country. And our daughter went from seventh grade to ninth grade in a high school in a new country. Oh my gosh. Which, which that's a really big difference. I mean, if you think about, cause I'm American too, mm-hmm. the, even just the maturity level from seventh grade to ninth grade is yes. huge. Yes. And so I didn't worry about it so much with our son because it didn't seem like such a huge jump. They reassured me that academically they would be pretty much in line and that at the beginning of the school year, they review so much that they would catch any, you know, deficiencies that might be there. Um, But with our daughter, we kind of thought, well, this is, you know, we moved here and this is what they really want. They're insisting on it. And, um, She's a very much, she's always been a mature kid. She's always gotten good grades. So it's just another challenge and we'll take things as they come and, and, uh, go with the flow. But it was, it was a big jump. It was even for a kid who's mature seventh grade to ninth grade was a big jump. And, um, I would say that I've never worked so hard as a parent as I did in Toronto for sure, because of the school situation. Yeah. And I'm sure like being away from your family, you know, and your comfort zone and your kind of safe space, so to speak, where you grew yeah, up. Yeah, for sure. You yeah. know, like just not having yeah. that support would have been really hard. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But the kids, they're resilient and they uh they're pretty positive. Academically, it was completely fine, but socially it was right. it was different. Yeah. And they we I mean, the experience of living in Toronto was amazing. Like outside of the school experience, like everything else was, it was really, really fun to live there. But, um, that was the COVID year. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so this was like kind of like recently then like the, right. within the last few years. Yes. Yep. 1920, I think. Okay. Yeah. Dave, we left Toronto or we left Philadelphia in like spring of 19. And then we moved to Toronto that fall in, okay. in August. How did COVID look like for you guys as a family? I want to say that Toronto was sort of on the same trajectory as New York city. Um, as far as like when it hit and the waves and everything. And so we sort of were, I want to say sort of at the be- you know, felt like we were kind of at the beginning. Um, and we, it was just the team right away had put some rules in place for our family and, and we were completely on board with it just because we just didn't know what was going on. And school had been canceled for three weeks. The NHL season paused all in the same day. And, um, you know, they were asking us not to go anywhere, get things delivered. Don't answer the door when the delivery comes just at that time, we just, nobody knew how to handle it. Right. So Mm -hmm. having two teenagers (laughs) in that situation in, um, early March in Toronto, where it was not always that nice outside, uh, it was a little daunting, but yeah, things were hadn't, you know, things hadn't, um, it hadn't hit in the Midwest yet. And so after a bit, we came back to our house here and the schools here announced that they were fully going online for the rest of the year and that they were completely prepared for it. Everyone was going to get a Chromebook. They had a system for pickup of, um, all of that. And so 
we put our kids in school right away here because they weren't in school online yet in Ontario. And we didn't know when they would go back. And the schools here said, yep, we can do it. So, so we did that. And then, um, and then we didn't, we've never been back to Toronto because I'm American and um, the kids are dual, but did not have passports yet for Canada. Oh and, yeah. And uh, that whole situation, what a mess. It was a mess. We didn't see Dave for over six months. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is yeah, awful. Was- you should be able and allowed in these kind of situations to go in and out. It just, it, I, yeah, I understand what they were trying to do, but to separate families is just not right. In hindsight, I'm not positive, but I think if we would have asked, the team would have helped us figure that out. But right before COVID hit, when we were living in Toronto, our daughter had just um, been accepted at Shattuck St. Mary's, um, which is a prep school. She plays hockey in Southern Minnesota to go to high school there, which she is something she really, really wanted. So she was, we knew she was going to be starting school in Minnesota. Dave was home until the week of Thanksgiving. So our kids had already started school here. In all honesty, when he left for Toronto, I didn't really think it would be six months. We thought, you know, things are going to get better. We'll figure out a way to be (laughs) able to see each other. And, and it just didn't ever happen. Wasn't it, was it like six days to flatten the curve or whatever the yes. heck it was? It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. look at us guys. Two years it's later, crazy. And we're still doing this. Yeah. yeah. So you were essentially like solo parenting for six months with two teenagers. Yep. I wow. Was. Okay. Hats but off to you. Insane that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks. But there, I feel like so many other people did that. And so many people still do do that to some degree. When you have kids, you just have to make it work. Like yeah, whatever survival mode. it is. And, and that's what was best for our kids at the time. And we didn't really have a choice. And we're in a stage now where they come first. Like it, it's just how it is. And, and their education is important to us and it's important to them. And so because of that, we just kind of, you know, that's the stage of life. That's the phase we're in right now. So this episode of Breaking the Ice is sponsored by Athletic Greens. I've been starting to use Athletic Greens first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, and I started taking it because I felt like I didn't really have enough energy throughout the day because I'm usually chasing around a busy one-year-old. So with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day off right. These ingredients support your gut health, your immune system, your energy, focus, all the things, and is recommended by professional athletes and only costs you $3 per day. So right now it's your time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, which is obviously huge for all of us that are traveling and traveling home. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash breaking the ice. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash breaking the ice to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. For sure. I think I've tried to change my perspective on things like on days that I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I try to tell myself like, I'm really lucky to be able to be home with my son all the time, because obviously there's a lot of situations just in the U S where even if some moms wanted to, they really don't have a choice and they have to go to work. So I try to be like, you know, this is hockey is short lived. Right. And, and these are memories I will not get back. And just to try to focus on that because yeah, it's just, it's, it, but For that's sure. not to say that you're not allowed to like have hard days and complain and, and go through phases where it's really tough too. Oh my gosh, for sure. And that's, I mean, and everybody does in this, in this field of work and you're totally 
right? Perception is everything. And on those hard days, I find like, that's the thing that gets me like turned around that can turn around my day in two seconds. When I look at whatever it is, that seems like a challenge. When I look at it from a different perspective, or just like, like I've said a million times already, just taking it one thing at a time. So, and I was lucky here when, when, uh, in that COVID year, my family is here. I have an aunt who's like a mother. Um, and my parents, my, my parents are kind of done with the bad weather. So they go to Florida during the winter, but they do come back <laughs> if I, if I need help. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hey, if they can, I would do the same thing. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I think it's, it's, I was actually just talking to my husband about this with everything with COVID. I was just thinking like, it's crazy because even moms that have like that are out, like working a job nine to five, and then the kids had to go to like online learning and the moms are just expected to just drop their job and work from home and somehow manage to homeschool or keep their kids in front of the computer to learn. Like, it's just mind blowing to me. And also like from full-time mom perspective, it's like your kids are normally in school all the time. So that's your time to like get stuff done and, Mm -hmm. you know, have your you time and to refuel for the day. And then to just have your kids at home all the time, that would just be so hard. And again, like obviously a blessing, but it's also, I can definitely see the challenges of that. I just like, couldn't wrap my mind around like how kind of unfair that seemed though, to have just that conversation with my husband, about you know, moms are just expected to pick up the pieces when, you know, things go south. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Dave texted me a couple days ago. It might've been yesterday. And he said, I think he said something like, it was something like, I know that you're already the handyman and the gardener and the, (laughs) (laughs) the cook and whatever. He's like, could you just, would you mind being the tax person and get our stuff over to the accountant? And I laughed when I read it because you listed off maybe 10 different titles. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, that's me. <laughs> a woman that I wears can, many I do hats. all that. Yeah, <laughs> I do all that. <laughs> okay, Pat myself so you, on the back for a sec. You guys are now in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how that has been for you. I have to say, I was so happy for Dave when he got that job. He has had his eye on it for a couple of years or a year or so. And, um, everything, you know, kind of got slowed down by COVID and, um, the people there are so great. The organization is awesome to work with. Um, and the games are so much fun. The fans have a great time. Um, and it's a really conscientious place for Dave to work, but also for, for me to, to live. I'm there part-time because of our, uh, our eighth grader. We could have not, we couldn't move him this year. <laughs> I think if we would have told him he was moving again it, this year, it would have been, it would have been a tough pill for him. Just, uh, this was a good time for him just to stay in one spot for this year. Yeah. But when we are there, which I get, I get there at least a couple times a month. Um, I enjoy it so much and, and there's so much energy about the team and, um, it's been, it's been a huge challenge, um, just because it's the first year, um, that they're playing, but it's been really fun to be a part of it. It's, it's really been a privilege to be a part of. How, what does long distance look like after you've been married for so many years? Is it just easy peasy? I don't know that it's easy because, you know, nothing's easy when, you know, it's easier when you're together and we actually enjoy each other. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, so I do, I mean, you know how that plays out a little bit during the season where sometimes they're home for a long time and you're like, okay, well. But when are you going on the road? Yes. <laughs> you yes. Know, but we, you know, there's none of that obviously. And, um, it's just, it, I don't know. It makes the time we're together more fun. It creates quality, more quality, I would say probably. Um, we have a lot of FaceTiming and because the three, the four of us are in three different places with our daughter at prep school. 
and Dave in Seattle and then Brendan and I here in Grand Forks. Um, you know, there are dinners on FaceTime. There are family discussions on FaceTime. Yes. There are a lot of group chats uh, via text. Um, but for Dave and I, um, I don't know. We just kind of stick to our foundations and, and uh, of marriage. And um, we, ha- we try to have a little fun with each other along the way um, in our communication. And, and then uh, when we're together, it's, it's even better. I think, I think it's been easier this year to be a part. I think the, between he and I being a part, I think it's been easier because know how it goes. And I'm confident that it's, it's going to be fine. You know totally. what I mean? Yes. I don't totally. want to, I really don't want it. Yeah. I don't want to do it forever. Like, but the fact that we had to, you know, we were forced to do it that, that COVID season, um, I guess it was last year. Um, I thought, I think it's made it a little bit easier for us. I yes. don't think it's easier on our son. I think he really, I think he sort of misses that every day. I think they both miss each other. Oh, um, that's so hard. But it is, but but we, we've done a pretty good job of getting him out there anytime we can between his school and um, hockey. And you just got to make the best of it, you know? Yeah, I more so meant easy in the sense where you feel like you kind of know what's coming in a sense. Like yes. you, you pretty much answered that because I remember like, when I did long distance, it was like fairly newer in our relationship, maybe like a year or two after we were dating. And I remember just being like, so just anxious all the time. Like, not that I thought anything bad was happening, but I just was like, so with all the uncertainty, it just kind of made you feel a little bit on edge. So I was just meaning like, after you've been married for so long, it's kind of like, okay, we got this. Like we're, we're good. We, we're, we can do this. We can get through this. For sure. That's definitely. And I, you know, it's funny, but you, you kind of catch yourself thinking, oh my gosh, what do people think? Like, what are they doing? But it's sort of, you know what I mean? Like, no, you got to do what works. Yeah. You got to do what works and who cares? I mean, who really cares what other people think? Totally. (laughs) You know, I know it's, it's easy to get into that kind of rabbit hole though, like of, of thinking that and wondering that, but at the end of the day, like you obviously are making a decision of what's best for your family in this moment and people can think what they want, but that's, what's best for you guys. So I think that's perfect. Yeah. And that's, you know, very selfless to do that too. And that's, that's amazing when, so again, it's kind of like packing up you're there half the season. So I'm, I'm assuming since you aren't there full time, you really just spend your time, like spending time with your husband, going to hockey games and then you fly back and you have school. So is that kind of what it looks like for you? Um, it is to some degree. Um, I see so much hockey between our daughter and our son (laughs) and Dave, like, and because he's on the West coast and I we're in central time, like his games don't even start till nine o'clock. Oh gosh. So that's late. I know. So it's late. Yeah. So, um, I feel like I'm tired a lot, but, um, I've traveled more this year than any other time in my life. Um, maybe even when I was a flight attendant, if I'm being honest, <laughs> um, I'll do things like if they're playing in Winnipeg, if the Kraken are playing in Winnipeg, which is two hours from where we are. We will, you know, like on a Thursday, drive up there, see Dave for dinner. You know, sometimes we go when there's a game. Sometimes we don't because it's more quality time if they don't have a game. Yeah. To be honest. And so, um, but then drive back the same night, get home at midnight. And then the next day, drive to Minneapolis to see our daughter's game. Stay a night, drive back to Grand Forks. I mean, that's 10 hours of driving. Um. And then fly to Seattle, like on a Tuesday or something. It's, it's a crazy schedule, but I say, you know, people ask me all the time and I, it's a hustle I say, but, but everyone in the family is happy. And, yeah, and that makes me feel like I'm doing a good, you know, I'm doing my job. That's, yes. you know, that's, that's sort of the stage I'm at and, and that's how I feel. And, and thank God that I can travel. Like, thank God I can travel. So as a coach's wife, do you feel like you have kind of more stability 
than a player or do you still experience that anxiety and nervousness after each season of what's next for us? Are we going to stay here? Are we going to go somewhere new? You know, that, that grind. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it's funny that you'd bring that up because I think it touches a little bit on sort of a philosophy that Dave has that I sort of share where players and coaches are kind of honestly, as a team, you're sort of in it together. Like you're winning and you're losing and how your team um, comes together in the end is like this perfect dance of, of all of it. Right. And um, we've been fortunate with the GMs that we've worked with that, you know, I think we've always kind of known where we've stepped stood. Like they've been people that are honest and commute, you know, really good at communicating. Um, they're still our friends. So <laughs> that's nice too, but you do sometimes there are times I want to say, and on all honesty, when Dave got fired at Philadelphia, we, you know, it wasn't something that we necessarily agreed with, but you could, you could, something was going to happen. It was either going to go one way or the other. And it, you kind of get to a point as a spouse where you're like, all right, let's just something, you know, what are we doing here? Where are we going? What's happening? And the best thing you can do is just kind of like be the sounding board and be the support and take things as they come and figure it out from there. And that's what we did in Philly. That's, I guess, the only time you've been fired. <laughs> Going back to ki- relating that to kids, um, when he got fired in Philly, I had to go run to another one of Brendan's classmates' house, houses. He was in third grade, I want to say. And I had to like pull him out of a birthday party and bring him into the car and bring him home to tell him that his dad got fired. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, it's just this, when it ha- when things like that happen, you just, you have to figure it out for the kids. You have to mm-hmm. figure it out right away. And I feel like once the kids are settled, then you, I said to Brendan, do you want to go back to the birthday party or do you want to stay home? Dad will be home soon. And he was like, oh no, I'll go back to the birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I good. mean, I'll go back. A, yeah, they're, they're, their kids are, you know, kids are so resilient and, but our daughter was a fifth grader. She was a seventh grader. She was a seventh grader. And, and that was, uh, she was a little more embedded there. So she, that was harder for her, but I always think about it when I'm in the, when I meet the wives, the players, wives or, or girlfriends, you know, the players that have children, because because there's a significant amount that do have kids in school. And it's like, Oh my gosh, if you know, somebody is, is in the same boat that you've been in before of uncertainty, whether it be, you know, being traded or who knows what, I just feel like we're all human and we're all sort of in the same boat in that way, because we're moms, like at the very basic level, we're moms and we're humans. And so, you know, it's one of the things that I love about, the team that we're on right now is that it's been nice to just sort of get to know people on that level as well and Mm -hmm. just be, be human and, and have those like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, can I do anything or, you know, have those discussions every once in a while about like, Oh, the trade, you know, someone's brought up to me, Oh, the trade line deadline's coming up. And this has been such a fun team. I love that conversations are starting to happen like that between coaches, wives and players, wives more often than they used to, because Mm -hmm. we've all been there and we're all, you know, in Seattle for, for example, we're all new there this year. So it's just been a really solid group to be a part of, especially this year, but I've had that in other places as well. And I, I don't think it's always been that way, but I think, I think things maybe are heading in that direction. And I think it's great. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. We can't be like best friends out all the time together. There's, totally. There's, def, there's a, there's definitely a line just to be human compassionate. Totally. Is uh, a good thing. No, I love that. I mean, we, at the end of the day, we are all humans. And I think being a mom in this lifestyle is really hard and, mm-hmm. you know, people don't always see that, I guess, like it, I don't know. I feel like when I look back at before I was a mom, I had really no idea what 
everything that moms in this lifestyle were doing. Like, I just kind of thought like, oh, they're amazing. Like, wow. Like they've got this covered, but being a mom is really hard. The guys are gone a lot. You know, you're Mm -hmm. with your kids, solo parenting. A lot of the time, some people are like you, you're long distance right now. And really Mm -hmm. solo parenting majority Mm -hmm. of the time. So it's hard. And I think too, with what you were saying about having your kids in school and, you know, them being a little bit older and being able to understand, I think there's like a, a fear almost of kind of breaking your kid's heart with saying you have to move again. Yeah. When they were, when we first moved from Grand Forks, I had to laugh because I listened, I listened again, as I mentioned to Wendy Tippett's episode that you did with her. I had to laugh when she talked about when they first told their kids that they were moving when they were younger, because she was the same exact expression that we did with our kids. Um, we told them, Oh, over FaceTime, because Dave was already in Philadelphia the <laughs> night before for a press conference. It was like super secret. We couldn't tell them during the day because our daughter was in a championship game. <laughs> you know, Dave didn't want to ruin that. And so he said, I got it. You know, I got to go to Philly, but let's FaceTime tonight. I was like, Oh, all right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and, um, but they were young and, and, you know, we got on FaceTime. We said, we're going to be going on a big, we have a big adventure ahead of us. We're so lucky that we get to go do some, live somewhere else and experience life, um, in a big city. And, and dad's got a great opportunity and a great challenge ahead of him. And, and those are things that we, we want for you guys to, you know, to see and ex- hopefully experience someday. And kids are like, okay, where are we going? And our daughter said, are we going to Disney World? <laughs> like, we're, we're moving. We're moving Close. Yeah. And our son kind of was like, okay, whatever. I mean, he was so young and our daughter yeah. was like, what, where's that? Okay, let's do it. And she was good to go. And then you know, we're moving to Toronto. Okay. We're moving to Toronto. Well, now they're fifth grade and seventh grade and, and had just moved from Philadelphia back to, um, back to our, our lake house in the summer in Minnesota. And we said, okay, we're moving to Toronto. And they were like, Oh, our son was immediately excited because of the the hockey, um, the rich history, it was maple leaves, um, you know, and he's just sort of up for anything. He's sort of still like that. Um, in many cases, but our daughter was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, don't worry, Aves. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll figure all of it out together. And here's where we're moving. And here's the things that, you know, that we can do in, in this area of the, of the world. Totally. And, um, she was really excited about the girls hockey, the quality of girls hockey in that area. And, um, so, it's all how you frame it. Right. But things get real when they're real and you have to acknowledge that. And, and we had to know, I had to acknowledge that in Toronto and it was a lot of hard work as a mom. And we spent a lot of time together, but she would tell you it's made her more resilient and it has, and I would tell you it's made me more flexible and it's been good. That's been a good thing for me too. So Ooh, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing just hearing you know, your perspective and as similar to Wendy's, because for other people that are listening, it might give them ways that they can frame things to their children, because I don't know if I initially would have, you know, thought to do that if I had kids of that age, because moves can Mm -hmm. be really hard. It's a lot of work, Mm -hmm. but to really Mm -hmm. just kind of switch the perspective so that your kids can feel oh, okay. Well, if this, if my parents say this is exciting, then this is like it's easier for them to see it from that lens. And if we're like, okay, or here we go again, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really amazing that you guys are able to, to just shift that, um, frame of thought like that. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's not always perfect. Like when we moved to Philadelphia, we kind of said to each other, Dave and I like, okay, we're making this move. Like we're just gonna, wherever we are, we're going as a family. Well, now we found ourselves. our daughter made this team, you know, this, it was a goal of hers and she's, she's, she loves the school she's at for high school. I didn't ever plan on my 14 year old leaving home, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but she, 15 year old, 14 year old, I, she was 14 at the time. Um, but she, it was her, she wanted to do it. She loved, she, it was her goal. She, 
she was really excited about it. And, um, and then this year we're, we're part-time, you know, I'm back and forth to Seattle because, you know, this is a year where our son was kind of like, Oh man, I just made like good buddies here. Mm -hmm. I really like playing hockey here. I love my team. Um, can we just like stay here this year and kind of some scope some things out and kind of take things a little bit slower this time. And, and so that's worked for us, but going back to how you frame things for kids, you know, it can sound like a lot of BS to be like positive all the time, but I think the more you really live that and, and look at it that way, it's true. And if you don't, like, if you just say it's a bunch of BS, like, oh, you know, like if you, in your head, you're like, I'm going to say this to my kids because they're young and, um, they don't really get it, but you know, they'll, they'll, if I say it, they'll, they'll think it. And in your head, you're going, it's just, you know, just to get us through Mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to work. You know, you have to really believe it. I think so. I think you really have to believe it and you really have to like get up in the morning and go, okay, this is what you know, this is what I said, and this is what we're going to do. And, and, um, I think the longer that you do it, the more it comes true. What does community mean to you and how has your time in the hockey world shaped who you are today? Oh, community. Well, community to me means relationships and connection and how are you impacting the people around you? And the biggest way I have found that I can feel like I'm part of a community or that I'm adding to a community is, is through the philanthropy that, that the teams have done and included us in. And I just, it's, you know, I've met people through that. I, you get to do projects alongside, you know, players, wives and co and other coaching staff wives. And, um, it really builds a bond, but it also helps you become ingrained in the community you're living in, wherever that might be. And I think that it is so important and impactful because you're not, you know, oftentimes you're not from the area you're living and you really get to learn a lot about the people that live there, um, what the city stands for, what their history is, um, kind of the pulse of the city and where the need is and where the fun is. And I just think that it's been such a fulfilling thing to be a part of. That would be my favorite, my favorite thing actually about being a part of the hockey community. How has that kind of shaped how you see life, like being in this crazy hockey world? So I think that the biggest thing is that um, it's given me, I know this is going to be maybe an unconventional answer, but it's given me a lot of compassion for people. Like a lot of times in pro sports, things look like shiny and happy and perfect. And, you know, people have what they need for, for life. Um, but there's a lot of struggle and there's a lot of like hard work and climbing your way up and, weaving and bobbing your way through family life and moving and all of that. And I just, I just feel like there's so much compassion that can be um, so much more compassion that can be had for, for, for people in general, but also within the hockey community. That's actually so true. I've never even really thought about it like that, but yeah, you're so right. Yeah. People from, I mean, people from the outside, I've known that they have judgments on, on, Mm -hmm you know, athletes and their families mm-hmm. and all, what do you have to complain mm-hmm. about? You have this or that. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, it's actually really hard. And you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> and you have to brush yeah. those people off. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it is true. You really don't know what people are going through. Um, and yeah, it's important to have compassion for people for sure. I love that answer. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, you just never know. You've got, you've got guys that are like huge NHL stars, but their partners might not want to be in the spotlight. And that's just, it's not their, it's not their comfort zone and they add value in other ways to their communities or their team, but you got to have a little bit of compassion for stuff, you know, someone like that, or, um, you know, just as much as the person who is like 
injured season ending ending injuries in October, you know? Mm-hmm. So that yeah. comes with its own set of problems. So right. anyway, compassion. Yeah. That I love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Erin, for coming on the podcast. It was so nice talking to you. It was so nice to talk to you and so nice to meet you virtually. 